You are now listening to Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Fregera. It's a podcast designed to bring awareness on intended or unintended crimes against humanity, how we can rise above it, claim our divine inheritance, and return the soul power to the people. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Soul Power to the People, Rising Above Crimes Against Humanity. And I am so excited to have with me Dr. Nuchitelli. Nuchitelli. You got to do this with your fingers. Nuchitelli. Nuchitelli. Nice. And I am going to pick his brain about the dark side of the web and how is that perpetrating crimes against humanity whether we are aware of it or not whether it's intended or unintended and really look into what are the potential harm and really the harm is grave i believe the danger is grave with the online world well uh, happy uh, new years to all uh, and happy new years Ms. bigger thank you for having me you can see my wonderful cat behind me. Her name is Brooklyn. Uh, she's the love of my life. But getting back to uh, what uh, my concept and some of the work that I'm doing, I wrote a concept, uh, goodness, started back in 2008, uh, finalized in 2009, called iPredator. And what iPredator is, is a global concept that makes up eight different types of online aggressors. So instead of me going through all eight, just real quickly, cyber bullies, cyber stalkers, but related to Ms. Tess, what you wanted to talk about a little bit today, uh, two of the eight typologies are online child predators and online child pornography consumers and distributors. Uh, obviously, when it comes to, to the, those groups, uh, many of them are, are pedophiles. They have paraphilias. Uh, many of you know what paraphilias are. And then there's others, particularly when it comes to the business and sale of online child pornography uh, with an incredibly high profit margin. Not all, but some of them are, are, not, are straight heterosexual, but they are just psychopathic and depraved, and they're doing it for the almighty dollar. But essentially, iPredator, as I said, I, I wrote it back in 2009. Um, over the years, I, you know, if you visit my website, it's quite large. I have 26 yes. mm-hmm. free checklists and inventories that uh, you don't even need to give an email address to download, uh, particularly related to online child predation. Uh, for parents, I have the, the parent cyber safety checklist uh, related to online predators. I have the online predator checklist and inventories. So if you're if you're staying specifically with that population of assailant, there are assessment checklists and pages that present the online child predator. Uh, wow. Matter of fact, today, uh, as mm-hmm. I said to you, every other day I put out two uh, PSAs, educational uh, online safety theme images. And matter of fact, today, one of them I sent to you, Tess, for the online child predator. And what I wrote is, is that the the online child predator, and this applies not just to children, but adults, and obviously we're dealing with uh, online, is people seem to think that the child predator is some old guy that's hunched over walking down the street 
and you can see him a mile away. Well, I'm sure your, your viewers are, are deft enough and skilled to understand that that is the complete opposite. Online child predators are your next door neighbors, uh, oftentimes their family members. Um, many times online predation moves to offline predation and they walk hand in hand. So really online child predation is not only serious, but it's growing. Wow, uh, I did have a guest, a survivor of child sex trafficking and her own trafficker was her dad. And she had to go through the trauma of being enslaved and trapped in a barn or, or in a closet and tied up and all that, and also putting her own father to jail. And so such incredible uh, courage and bravery. Yes, yes. And you are right. That's exactly her point. Don't look at the dark alleys for it. it sometimes it's in... The home, it's in the neighbor. Why did you get into this work? What What is the fire behind writing and exposing this crime? I've always been fascinated with what I call the dark side of human consciousness. Back in 2006, when I was a forensic psychologist, I wrote a concept which is at the website called Dark Psychology. And what dark psychology is, is the, is the study of, an exploration of the dark side of human consciousness. Wow. And why did you agree to come to my little show? <laughs> my goal is to try to educate as many online users, both online and offline, about how do you behave uh, for parents? How do you, you know, work with your kids? Um, for kids and teenagers, as it relates to cyberbullying, your show is a little bit more specific. As I said, I Predator is a global concept. Most of the shows I've done in the last three months deals with uh, cyberbullying and cyberstalking and a little bit of cybercrime. So really... And, no, uh, actually, uh, my personal interest is in the child sex trafficking. It's because mm -hmm. it's what woke me up to the dark side of consciousness, as you call it. Mm -hmm. But the... The topic of the show is varied. It's all encompassing. Actually, we talk about masks, we talk about vaccine, we talk about how is this all affecting our psychology, right? Excellent point. So originally, I was a forensic psychologist back in, I got my doctor degree, I worked in mental health, and then became fascinated with the psychopath, the pedophile, the criminal. And that's when ultimately I, I studied and became certified as a forensic consultant. And I was doing assessments in family court, civil court, and criminal court. After I left that, um, I began to really think about, you know, what does it mean uh, to be in the dark side? What does it mean to be, and I hate to use the term evil, um, religious folks use evil whether you believe uh, there is such a thing as an entity of evil, or you believe that just psychopaths and the cyber criminal and criminal are evil, that is, so I wrote Dark Psychology back in 2006. Um, and as I said, after that is when I realized that where better do the depraved, the pedophile, the criminal go would be to online. So the first thing we look at is, what is the definition of cyberspace? An abstract, artificial, digital universe. 
I can go online and I can present myself in any way I want, Tess. So for instance, if I'm good enough, now I'm tech impaired, but if I'm good enough, Tess, and I'm talking to you, let's say you're a 15-year-old freshman, well, I can create a profile, whether it be on TikTok, TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, depending on my skill level, and you're going to think that Dr. Mike, my name's not doctor, uh, I live the county over and I'm a freshman guy as well. And you know what, Tess? You're kind of cute. But in reality, I'm a 56-year-old man who's looking to engage you in some type of sexually themed conversation. And then hopefully, if I'm good enough, it is to persuade you to engage in sexual activities. Once I get you to do that, I got you. There's a grooming process that happens between yes. the I got you to, you know, can you talk briefly about that? I know that's um, not our topic. But. Well, no, no. Grooming is, is it's a necessary component of, uh, you know, uh, is manipulating a child. Uh, grooming, obviously, in an offline environment has been around since the beginning of human civilization, where the, the sexual molester, the pedophile, let me, if you don't mind me, say eye predator, the eye predator begins online by telling his target uh, how beautiful, how handsome they are, uh, begins to engage them in conversation. So now let's say the target gets in an argument with mom, dad, or primary caregiver. The eye predator is there to be, you know, a shoulder to cry on. So the grooming process is very slow. And by doing that, what he's trying to do is to get the trust of the child. And then with time, depending on the situation, he may or may not truly you know, reveal his identity. That all depends on how manipulative and how good he is. Now, one of the, the two concepts that I presented that apply to all uh, victims online is what I call odor. And what ODOR is, it's the acronym, Offline Distress Dictates Online Response. And what that means is, however my offline life is going, whether I'm happy, I'm sad, intoxicated, whether I'm being abused, whether I have a history of abuse, whether I'm an abuser myself, whether whatever my psychological state is offline, I believe, I can't prove it yet, I believe it has a direct impact in what I do online. Now, when it comes to being online, information, we live in the information age. Everybody that's looking and watching and listening right now, we are in the information age. But what we are is we're at the beginning of a period of history that will likely, in all intents and purposes, last a couple of centuries. Information age, they say, started around the 1970s. The birth date of the internet was 1983. Then when we talk about the growth, expansion, and development of social media, 2009-2010. So all of us today are in the beginning of the information age. So we are essentially pioneers. There's no criminal defamation, though. There's no hard laws. Now, obviously, there's laws for you know, child pornography and child predation, and a couple for a little bit of cyber-stalking, cyber-crime. But overall, uh, as they say, the internet online is really the wild, wild west. So when we understand that, that we are at the beginning of the information age, 
there are only three ways that we can manage and manipulate information. We can compile information, we can disseminate information, and we can exchange information. No matter how great you are, those are the only three, and that's how it's always going to be. So if I'm an online child predator and I'm good enough, what I do is I spend time in child teen-centric uh, social media sites. Right now, the biggest one for, for teens, prepubescent, is Snapchat. So what I would do is I would go into Snapchat and I would create a profile that I'm, I don't know, Michael Barn, Barnstormer, and I'm a freshman living over here in Brooklyn. I set up a profile. I have a, a picture of me, which obviously I got somewhere else. I write up a profile and now I go and hunt. And now I find Tess, as I said earlier, she's a freshman, a county over, or maybe even across the nation, depending on what my intentions are. And then I begin. I introduce myself. Tess, I see you're into by your beautiful home. I see you like decorations and stuff like that. I may introduce to you mahogany, the woods, or, or you know, the big pines out here in California. And slowly what I'm doing is grooming you to trust me. And that's how it begins. But odor, I am looking for men and boys and girls that I know would be a good target. You know, by being able to assess offline distress dictates online response. Now, quickly, the second part of odor, which is, you know, required for the, the pedophile, the, the child predator, is what I call IVI. And that is I predator victim intuition. And what that is, is that the child predator, and again, it's on a skill level of completely inept and inadequate, all the way up to incredibly skilled. Online victim intuition is the, the ability for me to be able to assess whether or not you would be a good target or not. The more I practice through learned behavior, trial and error, within a short period of time, depending on how good I am, I can get to a point when I go into Snapchat or I go online, I can quickly assess who would be a good mark. And that is what I, uh, I predator victim intuition is, which is my ability to be able to know if Tess is a good mark. No, no, she's not. Um, <laughs> walk us through, how does one become a narcissist? How does one become a predator? Narcissism is essentially, and this is as for Freud and other you know, great philosophers, self-love. And I do believe that all of us have you know, a sense, well, I'm hoping we do, if we have a healthy ego, we're a little bit narcissist is that we practice self-preservation and self-love and self-confidence. But as the narcissism gets worse, which is, you know, we still don't know, is it genetic? Is it a nature nurture kind of thing? However you want to explain it, it does happen. But as somebody becomes more narcissistic, all of a sudden, they're in, think of your entire environment now, if you're not a narcissist, and if you don't have narcissistic personality disorder, it's really hard to understand this. So even when I say this, I really don't understand. But like I said, I've got patients that have access to narcissism. 
So what they believe is, and they see through their perceptual glasses, is that everything in their environment, all their interactions, everything that they do revolves around them. And that's what the narcissist, so if Tess, you over there and your wonderful animals, and let's say you walk off camera because you have to let the dog out, all right? If I'm a narcissist and you say you're going to let the dog out, pardon me, I'll just sit there and go, okay, but when you go, I'm going to start thinking, what does she have against me? What did I say? So I'm immediately assuming your actions are, are because of me. And that's what the narcissist is. So now when we go into online environments, the narcissist really has, I, <laughs> I mean, we could spend a whole hour talking about the, the narcissist online. You have the narcissist narcissism. Then you throw in what's called a little bit of antisocial uh, personality disorder or, you know, the criminal mind it doesn't have to be a lot. And that's how you put those, mix them all together. That's how you get the psychopath and the sociopath. Narcissistic has a negative connotation, but there are people who are self-serving and they can be wonderful to the community. But really, when we're talking about a narcissist, it is somebody who, is, who suffers consequences from their self-absorption. That's what a narcissist is. Narcissists are at much higher rates of being abusers. They're at much higher rates of engaging in criminal behaviors because to them, it is Machiavellian. The ends justify the means. So anything I do to you, Tess, if it is serving my purpose, well, then it's justified. And that's why the narcissist can be so dangerous if it's a severe form of narcissism. Okay, let's go to the other side, which is the victim. You, you talked about online victim intuition and then the yes. targeting. And this is where I want to empower the listeners to know the signs and also empower themselves to be, you know, to fight back or to stand in their power. Right. My messaging yes. is all about soul power. When a person, whether it is a, a man, a well, a woman, particularly more children, when they are targeted online, the, the perception, the experience of being victimized to me is more traumatized. I'm not minimizing offline victimization. And oftentimes here in the information age, victimization is now occurring hand in hand. It's occurring both online and offline. But I do believe, and I can only, this is anecdotal, uh, for the last 10 years, after working on the weekends, I have volunteered uh, providing free confidential help to people who call. Um, and that is what we primarily, I primarily talk about is online victimization. And the most unfortunate thing, Tess, and I'm sure your, your, your viewers aren't going to really believe me, but you gotta. <laughs> I've been doing this for 10 years at no cost and it's confidential. The vast majority of people who call me, they have already been told by their loved ones or the system that you're crazy, you're being melodramatic, turn it off, block them, move on, don't pay attention. They've also been to law enforcement, they've been to the court system, 
and it all falls on deaf ears. And when they do call me- What, what falls on deaf ears? What? They're, they're, they're allegations they're experiencing, and oftentimes, as you know, Ted, it's called victim shaming. Victim shaming. Mm-hmm. But online, there's a difference between being victimized offline and online. But when you're victimized offline, the victim shaming and the, the minimization of the experience is far worse than offline. Which Well, I'm, I'm getting a disconnect in my brain right here. So clarify something right. for me. The online becomes offline then, right? Let's assume that the victimization, the, the, the genesis or the creation of the victimization starts online. With cyber stalking, you know, uh, or cyber harassment, uh, that oftentimes includes moving towards online sexual predation, whether it's a child or whether it's an adult, okay? So th- the first thing to understand is that when that occurs, Offline distress dictates online response for the victim, okay? If I'm presenting myself online, and that doesn't necessarily mean just being on my phone and FaceTiming so people can see me. It could be videos. It could be images. It could be what I write and what I post. So if you're presenting yourself as an individual that is feeling helpless, that is feeling hopeless, that is talking about, oh my God, I just got laid off due to the COVID. How am I going to pay my bills, Tess? I don't know what I'm going to do. If I begin to communicate that online, whether it be on Facebook or anywhere in social media mail use, well, guess what? The eye predator is going to pick that up and not that he's going to target you right there. He's going to sit back and he's going to watch. And he's going to watch and he's going to wait and he's going to learn what your weaknesses are. So the first thing for to, to not become a victim, obviously we can't prevent it completely, is to never ever present, do not exchange, post, or compile personal or sensitive information about yourself. And I can't tell you how many people I've helped in the last 10 years, quite a few, but you would be shocked, Tess, how people have I know some of your your viewers aren't going to believe me. Have actually talked about what their social security number was, okay, uh, online to people that they've met, not thinking anything's going to happen to them. Um, I've, I've had I've helped people that have actually went through a bad breakup, okay, with a boy, uh, and also you know with a man, where all of a sudden now these sexually themed images start to come up, and this is extortion where now I say, you know what, Tess? If you don't go on TikTok and dance for me nude that I can record it, I will send the other videos and other images to your family, to your job, to your college, to your religious organization, and I will make sure that that content shows up throughout your entire system if you don't do more for me. That is such a portion. Extortion, and and I am hearing that's happening big time in our government right now. Well, and it's 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 actually it's trending on all age levels. So whether you're a child, whether you're an adult, whether you're in government, because obviously, and again, this goes back to preventing oneself from being a victim. All right, and I say this all the time: test what, no matter how much you're in love with somebody, no matter oh, I love him so much. And, whether he lives next door, whether he's in a different county across this 
however it may be, no matter how much in love you think you are, no matter how long you've been together, it doesn't matter if you're engaged, married, or just one night standers, never, never share or exchange sexually themed content. Do not sext, do not exchange uh, sexually themed images, even the old double entendre, even uh, seductive pictures, and certainly do not share, you know, uh, sexually themed pornographic videos. Now, they say to me, well, Dr. Mike, what do you approve? I'm like, no, not at all. I, I'm a hopeless romantic. God, I, could, I wish I could have been around for Audrey Hepburn way back then and had met her. But what it comes down to hearing the information, now all of a sudden, guess what? Tess, I find out you find, well, I find out you've been cheating on me and I break up with you. And guess what? I now go into what's called revenge porn because I am really pissed off. You did that to me. So what I'm going to do is, remember that stuff that you sent me? I now post it and I send it. And all that stuff that I had, you know, in the past was, oh, yay, you know, I'm in love. Now all of a sudden becomes an incredible weapon and I release it. And as we know that information that is put online, you can delete it, but it doesn't disappear. And I have literally, um, not to, you know, exact, I have heard and helped folks where that has occurred. They have lost their job uh, a couple of years ago. One person uh, applied to college and didn't get into college. Turns out through the networking found out that the college did a general Google search and had found not you know sexually overt images, but found sexually provocative images and did not admit her to college. So it's understanding that when you release exchange sexually themed information, you're rolling the dice and you're playing with fire. Mm -hmm. And I can understand how millennials, how people of the information age in relationships, you know, that are in love, want to do it. But when you do it, dear God, you better get ready. If God forbid your relationship ends in an adversarial way. So, and, and I do notice that there's a lot of memes, right, about dick pics, you know. <laughs> it's like sure. uh, they're meeting online, you know, dating uh, on, on a dating site. And the first request is, can you send me a naked photo of you? Of course. It's like, why is that? Like, right. oh, I think I can say this because women know about, you know, is that the proverbially what's called the dick pic that is sent to women over history. Well, when the dick pic is sent, is that, well, what you don't see in the dick pic, you don't see the person's face, which right. I hate to say, almost by design, it hides the identity of the man. But unfortunately, women who provide sexually provocative images, videos, oftentimes are showing themselves scantily clad, if not with no clothes at all. The point that I'm saying, and I'm not a prude test, I am saying we live in the information age society. A day in a pre-information age world, if I had sexually themed content, let's say a Polaroid, could I spread it? Of course, I could go down to my local bar, I could go to the school and you would be embarrassed, 
don't get me wrong, that's embarrassing and, and horrifying, but now I not only can share your content, your sensitive content to my community, to the county, to the state, to the country, and oftentimes to the world, and what is the biggest term that we hear these days? It goes viral. And when things go viral, it doesn't have to be hundreds and hundreds of thousands, albeit that can happen, but this is what can happen from sexually themed content being revealed online. Right, right. Um, let's go back to the children. How does the online pornography world, like how how is that even happening that there yes. are videos of yes. adults? I don't mean to interrupt. We get, how is it going on? The profit margin of one child pornography. But where's the police? Where's where's the justice? Where where is you know where's the voice? Where who are taking care of these children? Well, I mean, we I mean that would the point is when it comes to child pornography, which has been around since the beginning of creating media. And maybe at one time they would draw pornographic images, but you know. Since we have media and now we have email, we can exchange the online child pornography distributor as a business. I can use the dark web. As your viewers know, there's a whole underbelly of the, of the internet called the dark web. But I don't necessarily need the dark web because I can email child pornographic images and video clips. And presently, the last time I checked, one online child pornographic image can go anywhere from five to fifteen dollars per image so that is a huge massive business market for the depraved and as i said when we started off not all online child pornography businessmen are pedophiles some of them are just straight stone cold psychopaths that are in it for the almighty dollar Okay, the damage on the children who are, there, there's so many tangents I can go to, right? Like, what's going to happen to that child who's been sex trafficked? Wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's, for the rest of the child's life, they have to deal with the trauma and the memory of what it means to be exploited and to be victimized and to be humiliated for the rest of their life. Now, me, I have a doctorate degree in psychology. I, presently, I work with the chronically mentally ill. Some of them have been, you know, sexually molested and abused. But when I was in private practice, I think about having to deal with whether it be a secret or whether it being a memory that just doesn't go away. You know, all the religion, please, I'm not knocking religion. Uh, all the therapy in the world can help and soften the trauma but it still doesn't go away. And that is the harsh reality uh, of, of sexual molestation is having to carry that for the rest of your life. I, I can't even imagine what that much must be like. And then that child now becomes our future. You know, so, so the, the quality of our consciousness becomes lower and lower, you know, vibrationally speaking. Most certainly. Um, victimized, victimized, and more susceptible to more targeting, more susceptible to our immune system lowering and being sick. 
and being dependent on drugs, dependent on pharmaceuticals. It's, it's, we can go different tangents if we follow that child's life to an adult, to where is our future going? How, what, what can we do? How can we solve power? Well, if I may, longitudinal studies for years now have shown that children that are sexually abused, longitudinal, which is following children through adulthood, has shown that children that have been sexually uh, abused uh, become adults that are at higher rates of alcohol and drug abuse. They're at much higher rates are being sexually permissive. They're at much higher rates of a variety of different access one and is the reason is is because the child experiences through sexual you know aggression uh terror and when you experience terror as a child and you don't have even as an adult it's difficult when we look at you know uh you know soldiers in war we look at ptsd Mm -hmm. Children don't have the adult brain capacity to understand what it means to be terrorized. Exactly. So it, beca it becomes their model of reality. That is correct. And that model of reality walks with them. And instead of it being left behind, okay, it just, you know, changes as they walk. Now, by the grace of God, some have what's called constitution and resilience. Some have loving and forgiving family systems. Some have great psychologists and, you know, helping systems. But no matter how optimal the treatment mechanisms are, they still have to deal with it for the rest of their lives. And that is the horror of what it means of child molestation and, and all of that. Yeah, and, and that's what breaks my heart. And mm -hmm. um, we need to bring awareness to this that they start with such a very low foundation or no foundation whatsoever in which to see themselves as beautiful, as pure, as a child of God. It, they've been corrupted from the beginning. Oh, big time. Corrupted, I, I believe, I, I, in my mind, I, my metaphor is being fragmented. You know, yes, like yes. Uh, yes, uh, a yes. plate and throwing it on the ground and now you have shards of a plate that are all over the kitchen floor and they're expected to somehow put it back together i think not right and definitely not a vision that i would like us to accept you know we can be better how can we be better as as human as well, human that's evolving in consciousness how can we be better there well, has to be a better way i'm not going to accept well, I think the first thing is it's understanding is again there, with that is four or five different shows that we can talk about but here yes. today we're talking about you know me presenting and introducing my concept of i predator which deals with you know what does it mean being a child or an adult living in the information as you know tess we are enveloped by information communications technology. The recent studies are coming out is that children through adults spend anywhere from six to 14, 15 hours a day online using technology. That's gonna continue. So it's understanding one, we live in the information aid. Two, what can you do? What can I do? to reduce my, my likelihood, my probability of suffering negative consequences from being online. As I said,
first and foremost, understanding odor. Offline distress dictates online response. It's knowing that if you're not in a good space, if you're pissed off, if you just got in an argument with your husband or your wife, you know, why not go outside and go for a walk or maybe play with your pets or do anything other than going online? It's understanding that my offline psychology has a direct effect on what others can see, okay? So second to that is being open to practicing a little online safety. Now, as I mentioned before, you know, people think Dr. Mike is approved because I say don't share sexually green content online because you're, you're engaging in high, high, you know, high-risk online activity. But that is true. So it's understanding there's only three ways. I can compile, I can exchange, and I can disseminate. So it's in relationship to your online world, which we're all spending a great deal amount of time in, and that's only going to continue. And by the way, we're not talking about COVID, but that's only through quarantine and pandemic. That only has exasperated the amount of time people are spending online. All right. It's understanding that you got to turn it off. Now, mind you, I don't want to get into mobile device technology and the amount of time and the dependency that people have for their cell phone. It's incredible. That's only going to continue. So the way to reduce your probability of being targeted, of your child being targeted, very simple. And I know this sounds silly. Turn it off. It's that simple. But... The people that I've helped, I've actually been told, and now we have what's called internet use disorder and internet use gaming disorder, which are AKA internet addiction. That is the next thing that information age society is dealing with. And I believe after COVID is done, there'll be studies that show that there has been an increase in internet addiction, cyber stalking, cyberbullying, online child predation, and most certainly the purchase, sales, and exchange of online child uh, pornography. Can you tell me what predation is? Predation it is predator and prey. A tiger predates upon uh, a gazelle. So predation is the, the process of hunting. So as an online child predator, I'm engaged in predation. I'm now on Snapchat. And I'm looking for that 13-year-old that maybe I can, I can connect with. Online sexual predation, it is the process of. Yeah. So what I heard from you is, one, is the self-awareness on, you know, how to keep yourself safe. But can, can we also invite the viewers to be, to also look for the safety of the children, right? And and just be aware as a society that these things are happening and we cannot accept it any longer. It's a great test. For, and I and these there's plenty of things. I Hopefully I live long enough so I can explain a lot of the things I oh, can. Uh, you are invited back to the show anytime. But there, for some reason, and I can't explain it, is people go online, and I'll even include myself, I'm getting better, but they tend to believe what they see, hear, uh, and exchange online as opposed to offline. I don't know why. Uh, I believe that somehow information communication technology, I don't want to sound crazy and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, 
But I believe the digital universe, the digital networking is in many ways mimicking the neurons and the brain in that exchange. Again, I'm well, not talking anything paranormal, but right. when you think about it, Tess, we, our brain has a hundred billion neurons. Yeah, and I totally agree with you on that. And and uh, the internet can be used as a tool, kind of like what we're doing right now, right? right. We are exchanging information for the betterment of um, the people, for uh, empowerment, for awareness, for discovery and that. And that's all we can do is exchange information. But yes, um, yeah, I didn't watch the news for a long, long time. And my children too didn't have phones until they're old enough, you know, and I didn't care about the peer pressure. I didn't care if they, their friends say we didn't have money to buy an iPhone or whatnot. Mm -hmm. I didn't care, but because intuitively I just knew that that would take over their own thinking. Now, <clears throat> do you have any final words uh, for the next five minutes and how, uh, please tell uh, the viewers, the listeners, where can they find you if they're interested in working with you, if they're interested in more information? Okay, the, the easiest way to either, you know, again, I provide free volunteer help. I've been doing it for a decade. Uh, my website, as you'll see, is huge, <laughs> I have to say. Uh, it's ipredator.co. That is no M after the CO. So you can go to ipredator.co. I also have .org and .net. Now, if you Google iPredator, there is, uh, I believe it's Danish or Swedish, a virtual private network. It's a product called iPredator. And also the National Geographic has an Asian animal show. So my, <laughs> that you, makes sense. <laughs> if you Google iPredator, I am, you'll see, I've got, you know, I still come up on first page, thank God. Um, is iPredator, I am the concept of iPredator. So if you Google iPredator and you see cyberbullying, cyberstalking, cybercriminal minds, that's me. And as I said earlier, everything is free. You don't have to leave me an email uh, address to download, to share. Um, if you want to print it out and throw it in the garbage, that's up to you. But what I'm asking people to do is to take a little time and be open to learning about online safety. If you have children, okay, whether they're five or six or whether they're approaching 18 going to college, is, you know, use a search engine, learn about uh, cyberbullying. Uh, if you're adults, learn a little bit about internet safety tips. So essentially, it's understanding that we live in the information age. My whole theory deals with, I am saying there's these eight types of online aggressors. I'm also saying there is online victimization and why that's occurring. But now, so what I'm presenting is, I guess it would fall under cyber psychology or the psychology of the online aggressor. Um, but for people, it's just trying to show interest. You don't have to go to my website. I mean, you're not, uh, I don't monetize anything from my stuff, nor have I for a decade. But what I would feel happy about is that if people at least a half hour once a week have just spend a little bit of time learning about how to stay safe. Right. 
right? Learn how to stay safe. And that's where the Soul Power comes in, which is the title of the show, Soul Power to the People podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Because when we live in that fear, then we become victimized, then we become open to being targeted. And then we then, the model of reality then becomes, I am not in control of my own life. Mm -hmm. But I invite the audience and the listeners to please look into connecting with your soul. And for me, that's the only way that we can rise above crimes against humanity by taking back your mind, taking back your voice, taking back your soul, taking back your power. Thank you so much, Dr. Michael, for being here. Your information, like it, it was like spinning me all over the place. It's too much It's it's, and it's very much needed right now in the online world. So you. you guys, you have a choice, choose you. And yes, it might sound narcissistic, but it, it, it is the entry gateway to soul power is to really honor yourself enough to uh, have the safety, have the self-awareness, and then have the compassion for the children that are being trafficked, that are being victimized into child pornography. They are not toys for our pleasure. They are people. They are dem- divine human beings that we need to respect and honor. Thank you again, Dr. Michael. I honor you. Thank you. And Thank ha- you. I would love to have you back again. Okay, just let me know. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Vergara. We can no longer be the spectators of our own destruction. Take back your mind, take back your voice, take back your soul, take back your power. Join me again next time for the next episode of Soul Power to the People.